Hello and welcome to the Super Rugby Review brought to you by Driving Mall. Hi, I'm Paul Gohan, Driving Mall, your best place for predictions and opinion. And we know it's the best place because you know what? On the run of sports, we have a mate, we've got four writers all doing Major League Rugby predictions and I'm winning. They're all Americans and I'm the only English guy. So there you go. So um, joining me this evening and the, your, your host this evening, because I will be his guest, is um, uh, the man from Cornflakes Crib. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me here again. Nice little toot toot to start us off. And, you know, just, just to add to that, I'll just put the yellow cap on after they had um, the second best performance uh, in round eight of uh, Super Rugby um, this week, striking Whoa. back up the leaderboard. Yep, you, you heard it here first. How, yep, many, how, many do you, how many do you get right? All by one. Really? Oh, wow. All by wow. one. Yes, and the, the, the silly sharks, the silly sharks, the only ones that put me wrong. Um, but aside from that, I got the mighty Huglaris, much to Ryan's uh, disbelief earlier in the week on the preview show. Um, but yeah, good round all around for my predictions. So I'm more than happy with how they've gone. Um, so I'll wear this uh, yellow cap with pride this weekend, or my um, or this week, I should say, on my preview show. So um, do come and check that out with us uh, and whoever our special guest will be, because I don't even know who it is myself. But let's get into the rugby. Um, Paul, welcome along. Welcome along to my show. Thank you. On your channel. <laughs> let's get into round number eight. Of course, we had no Chiefs. And the weekend did kick off um, down at Forsyth Bar Stadium with the Highlanders up against the Hurricanes. And what can only be described as one of the highest quality matches we've seen in quite some time. High tempo, end-to-end action, all action, all over the field. And uh, the start of the match started off a bit of a trend, didn't it? Where the neither side uh, really scored too much early. And it took a little while for the sides to get into some points. Uh, Shannon Frizzell picking up uh, the opening try with a, a powerful play to get the Highlanders off the mark. TJ Piranara hit back. Quickly after that with some quick ball after a good break by the Canes. And that got them back into the matchup before it was back the other way to the Highlanders. Ash Dixon on the field. Pretty much one touch, one try for him. Then he went back for a, a little rest as well. The half was running out of time. And the Hurricanes pulled it right back to where we started at the beginning of the match with a, a superb Adi Savia try. His first um, of a couple in the match. He rolled back the clock, back to the days of sevens with a 70-metre intercept try. Uh, they put the two teams back on level peggings, 14-all at the break. Not very often you talk about penalties in these sort of shows like this, but this one was critical. Bowden Barrett knocking one over on the 42nd minute, the only penalty of the match. They gave the Hurricanes that three-point lead. The Highlanders hit back of seven, as they always do. Kane Hamilton scoring off the back of the scrum in a tidy little, um, you know, clever finish from the uh, backup scrum half. The Highlanders line out there now took on a, a bit more and a bit more of a leader as well as uh, Lynch's jumped on to put the lead up to 11 points to the Highlanders. Some may have thought it was game over, but not the Hurricanes. Step up, Artie Salvia once more, put any number on the back of his shirt from um, even the back lines with double figures, and he was scorching it. The step, the speed, the class, and two tries for Artie Salvia put the game back within reach. And with 15 minutes to play, the telling score was made. Bowden Barrett sparked it. Lamape finished it off. And this time using a bit of footwork as opposed to the power we normally see from him. And that put the Hurricanes back in the lead. The Highlanders dominated the closing passages of the matchup. Even got a Hurricanes player sent off um, late on. Mitchell getting a yellow card. First of many. I'm sure we're going to talk about those. Um, but they weren't able to break them down late on. And uh, the Hurricanes hung on and pipped the Highlanders just for the second time this season. 31-28, a close one, but an exciting, thrilling match-up to kick off our weekend. This was an absolutely crazy game. 
the it was end-to-end stuff. It was more basketball than, than rugby, to be honest. Uh, optional tackling at times, to be fair. I mean, uh, the pretty low percentages on the old tackling stats. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, clearly the Highlanders missing Aaron Smith and Naholo. Uh, I like Fadders a lot, but he's not really a winger, is he? Let's be honest, uh, out there. Uh, and Hammington had a good game, but he's not Aaron Smith by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, I think they are really uh, missing those two guys in particular. Uh, but this was this was just crazy, million miles an hour game. I mean, it suits someone like Ardy Surveyor's game right down to the ground. As you say, the whole seven stuff. Yeah, and things I took interesting over this match was um, a couple of points. No missed kicks, which was something we wouldn't have even thought would say back in round one, two, three of the competition. And only one penalty shot at goal, which ultimately proved to be a decisive factor um, for the Hurricanes in the, the day. But that, that's, that surprised you that that was the, the game plan or, or the fact that both those kickers played so well. Bad news on that is Marty Banks is out, um, so we're not going to see him in a Highlands jumper uh, for a few weeks either, sadly. The I we got some the, the the kicking I kind of, yeah I mean at the end there I mean, scoreboard pressure was important let's be honest in this one because the Highlanders could have uh, had they had kickable penalties towards the end but they decided they didn't want to draw they wanted to win uh, and went for that corner so yes that kick was was all important yeah get that three points ahead anything in the lead is better than nothing yep I was I was gunning for the three I thought a draw was uh, was almost better than the risk of a loss but anyway the Hurricanes took their one out 31 28 no I agree yeah t- totally I think they should they should have gone for the draw definitely they should have taken the three and said look yeah we're not going to lose this one we've had a we've had quite a few losses this season let's um let's even this one up that's yeah so bad choice by the Highlanders and they had time too because mm. they the first penalty they got was a kickable range it was still a few minutes left on the clock too so they could have reset gone back and you know got another shot later on to uh put it away but Nevertheless, they got a bonus point for losing within seven. We'll take that. We'll take that one into the bank. Moving on. Game number two, the Reds versus the Stormers. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. What do we say about this one? Um, goodness me. Halftime, nil-nil. Um, just so much time of butchered chances, poor finishing, um, turning down shots at goal, taking risks, throwing the ball everywhere. And the only highlight I can pinpoint for that first half of rugby, if you call it that, was a yellow card to Cy Khaleesi just before half-time, which the Reds did take toll of after the break, where they got the first points. Uh, Karevi scoring the opening try from a Naivalu break, and that got the game underway. The yellow card period became even more costly for the Stormers as Paianga most dollar down, keeping things in the tight, as the Reds like to do, after a big break from Higgity in the back line. 15 minutes, oh, 15 players back on, I should say, and the Stormers come back into the game. Van Dyke grabbing one for the Stormers. A Bordeaux is special, and the game was evenly poised at 14 points to 7, and points actually on the board was a bit of a shock to most people watching the game. Uh, Tate McDermott got a bit of a habit of scoring a try, so he continues his run, jumping over close to the line to put the game all but over with still 10 minutes to play. Damon Dallandy put some life back into the game, but it was ultimately a dead horse of this matchup as he jumped his little spin move, putting around the corner and jumping in for his try. And the Stormers, on the scoreboard, you're saying 24 points to 12. There or thereabouts, but um, never really in this match. No, and that's the third one on tour now. Three three losses on the shot uh, really is destroying their season. I mean, they're kind of lucky in the fact that I think a couple of the other sides have, still haven't toured yet. So, I mean, the Bulls are bound to lose four games on the road um, <laughs> as well. So, um, 
well, they got the Rebels up next as well. I think it is. So they're, they're having a shocking tour. They're going to go home with four losses on the trot. Uh, it really has dented their take the the, uh, the take, sort of burst their balloon of of, of hope. Um, the I think they felt they felt a bit hard done by on the road. I think they've they felt that quite a lot of a lot of the uh, uh, a lot of the calls have gone against them. But basically, I think what we've got here is a team that's trying to change its styles, have two options, both to line up more and to be able to spin it wide, but just hasn't got the skills yet and hasn't practiced enough going wide. And so they make too many mistakes and they do so. Seeing that against the Blues, saw that again against the Reds, um, against the Rebels, you think they'll probably uh, tuck it up the jumper a bit more. It's, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because they play nicely, I guess is a, is a terrible way to describe it, but they are kind of attractively, I guess you could say, they... They seem to put a lot of effort into it. They seem to build up well. It, it, it looks good, but then it ultimately crumbles apart. And, and nil-nil in, in 40 minutes of rugby is astounding. I, I haven't seen that for a long, long time. Like I said, the start of the Heimans game, this whole round ultimately was really, really low-scoring starts and not much different here in this one, 40 minutes. I mean, 42 minutes before we got any points on the board. Um, but the Storm was, I don't know. What happens when they go back to Africa? What are, you t- are they going to go back that style? you think they're going to try and stun their their conference rivals with, with a little bit of that razzle-dazzle in the back line? Well, first off, that's the first time since 2013 that we've had a, a scoreless first half. So that oh. gives you an idea as to how long it is. Um, a while. The, um, it's been a while, yeah, exactly. Uh, it seems they're doing the horses for courses, right? Um, where they can where they can see they, they've, they've, where they think they can take people on in a different way, they're doing so. Um, against the Blues... Um, you kind of say, "Oh, look, exciting, expansive rugby," but when you actually when you actually watched it, um, especially in that first half, what they were doing was get it wide to a forward on the wing who bashes over the winger, out to a pod, uh, bashes it up, and then basically out uh, at the back, across the other side uh, to another forward who goes up. But they needed that pod, that one-out run to reset which then allows the defence to also reset. So this whole point of stretching the defence, earning the right to go wild, all this kind of stuff, um, doesn't work if you give the opposition time to reset because you're having to reset to be able to move the ball to the other side. So um, I think it's going to be a horse of course, when they come up against the forward-orientated teams, they'll try and use their width. When they think they can they can win up front, I think they'll take it up front, which I think is, it's, it's a good step forward for a team that we thought was a, a, an absolute disaster off the pitch with all sorts of... Um, issues going on uh, around the politics and the admin um, have, have managed to settle down and actually sort of put that to one side and concentrate on the game. So I'm pretty impressed with them uh, and the way they're going. I just think they've got a long way to go. That's all. Um, whereas the Reds, uh, how much can, how much of it can you just do, put down to? Hey, we'll be Brad Thorne and, and try and, and try and play hard. I mean, from the Stormers' perspective, you got to look at it and say, compared to last year, this is really good. Um, yeah, they're not getting smashed by 40 points like they were. They they look like they actually want to be there. Last year, they just looked, you know, kickoff come around. They switched off. They didn't like that they were in the game at all. So, I mean, it's positive for the Stormers. I'm, I, I like the Stormers. I think they're going to definitely, in future, they've got a good little squad they can build on for that um, in the next few seasons as well, if they last. I mean, who knows who's going to get the chop next year. Um, that's two games done and dusted. Um, take this chance for our uh, first half-time team talk. Halftime team talk, yes. So, this halftime team talk is brought to you by patreon.com forward slash driving mall, um, which is <laughs> linked down below. Um, look, that's where you can get my uh, become a supporter of the channel to help you bring this free content, um, but also get a- exclusive access to my opinion pieces that come out on a Wednesday. Um, this week, I forgot what I'm talking about this week, but anyway, um, there were two last week uh, looking at um, 
the Asia Super Rugby, uh, and uh, what else did I talk about? Anyway, I've gone on blank now. Um, then on third Fridays, I'm bringing out an article which shows you behind the scenes all the tech I use, the social media strategy, all that kind of stuff. So if you're interested in how how, to do, how this whole empire is set up, then you can uh, you can follow it there. Um, and then on Mondays, uh, you can see Driving Wall versus the Bookie. Yeah, and how are my picks doing um, on the old against the old TAB? Um, so yeah, so give that a look. Um, I say from as little as a dollar a month and. Um, you're back to your regular show. And you can tell how what he's doing versus the bookies by how many videos that he's got a beer in his hand by. If there's no beer, it's been a bad week. This week, obviously, he won a couple of games because there's beer in the hand. There you go. There's a free spoiler for you. Moving on. On to um, the Lions versus the Sharks. And, I mean, goodness me. I mean, the Reds' half was um, a bit poor, wasn't it? But this one, from uh, the Lions' perspective, was uh, pretty average. It's, it was a freight train of one-way <laughs> traffic. Average. and Yeah, pretty average. I mean, you got a better word to describe it? I think Bloody pretty, awful. That how about this? <laughs> it was a freight train in the rain that was only going one way, and that was in the ocean for the Sharks. <laughs> Lions' first half highlight was the yellow card. That was it. Much like we've seen from the Stormers, except the other side of things um, was tries. It was all the Sharks. Took 20 minutes, like we talked about. Most teams are slow starting. But Vermeulen grabbed one, lurking out wide, and he smashed through some average defence. Mpimpi, the original king himself, grabbed one after dominating every single touch he got. He was so elusive in that game. And if we're talking about elusive, let's talk about Karol Bosch as well. Just phenomenal throughout that match. Lakani Lam drives through, um, and a great little break for her. He was much like Mpimpi, scoring another try for the Sharks. And then the original king himself, Mpimpi, was in for his second after some flat line on the line ball through to the width of Mpimpi. And that was 25-0. Sharks over, Lions, game over, let's go home. But no, the game carried on. And Tatoi brought the power to the game. Then Mpimpi brought the excitement out wide. And he pushed the lead out even further. Then we got something finally for the Lions. Mahuza scoring out wide with a great little run from the speedster. Consolation try. Everyone was happy and red. And then it carried on, much like it had gone all game long. The Sharks showing they can do a little bit of that as well. Fussy finishing out wide from a quality backline play. There we go, 42-5. Thumping. Absolute thumping. Consolation try on 79 minutes. And they still managed to give up another try. I mean, <laughs> what the? Okay. Um, this first half, you're kind of thinking, oh, maybe the Lions are going to do what they did against the Rebels and come back. Uh, no. <laughs> um, but as you say, the first try wasn't until 20 minutes. The the Sharks butchered like three opportunities before they even scored. This, this, I mean, at 5.42, this flattered the Lions. This this should have been a this should have been a sixty seventy point drubbing. I mean, the lions were uh, the lions were absolutely rampant in this, but they just couldn't finish. I mean, and they scored forty points, and they still find it found it hard to finish. I and mean, that is just nuts. Um, yeah, this is probably the worst lions performance I can think of for four years, five years now. Um, since yeah, since, um, so this is a, a an app. This this was this is appalling, and you got to really wonder what's going on um, in, in Joburg because that is that kind of result is uh, is disgraceful. Uh, two things I want to point out. Uh, I talked a little bit about Curran Bosch already. Outstanding, best game I've ever seen from him. He just absolutely tore the game to ribbons every time he touched it. Mapimpi really good as well. Um, but yeah, nothing nothing beats Bosch. But the thing I will pick on was the goal kicking. Pretty poor, especially for South African teams. 
Yeah, it was poor. I mean, but you've you've, you've got the and, and when when Bosch came on, he could actually kick, couldn't he? So I mean, yes. you've got two good kickers on there, and you stick with the guy who can't hit the side of a barn. Um, I mean, Dupria is off to. What's going on with the Sharks this year? Dupree is off to off to Sale Sharks next year. Um, Cohen Bosch is apparently off to the Stormers next year. Uh, just as things are looking good for the Sharks, everyone's disappearing. You're like, hang on. Um, and they, a couple of couple of rounds ago, it definitely looked like they had some serious issues off the pitch where they were not happy with all these players who'd signed contracts elsewhere. But it looks like they've managed to sit down, said, look, let's just survive this. Let, let's just play this year and enjoy it. Um, and we'll deal with whatever happens next because they were playing with a lot of joy, a lot of fun, uh, and yeah, that looked majestic. That blew the Lions completely out of the park, and now uh, they've got some real troubles for the future rounds as well. Moving on to the next match of the round, the Crusaders are up against the Brumbies, and an exciting first half. It didn't yield too many points. It was it was open, it was free flowing, there was width, there was open place. It was decent enough, but the finishing was extremely poor, and Paul probably a better word to describe it. Much so we've seen earlier, kicks at goal were, t- were turned down, four kicks into the corner. Chipping was definitely the order of the day, and the, the old fish and chip shops definitely having plenty of business out there. The door was finally open, though, when old Franks was binned, and the Brumbies got a little bit of a sniff at the end of the half. It took an eternity. They sat on the line for what seemed like three hours, but they finally broke it. Christian Leliafano jumping in for the only first half points, and the Brumbies lead at halftime, seven points to nil. Trouble with the Crusaders? Some would, no, everyone would say no, because after the halftime break, the set piece fixed itself out, and the game changed. The scrum got strong, the hands got better, and they were a different side. Ryan Crotty put in Sebu Reese for the opening try, and then quickly after that, another line out, another scrum, I should say, five minutes out, set Will Jordan in to the right-hand corner, and missed a clothesline from Pulu, who was quickly sent to the bin, and it was going quickly down the toilet for the Brumbies. Will Jordan was back in the points quickly after Moanga carving through a scorching run, drawing a penalty, penalty, and then Will Jordan tapped and went over again. Question marks over. There should have been another clothesline yellow card going off for that one as well. Um, later on the match, they got it back with Sam Carter getting a big clothesline around Ryan Crotty. Could have been three yellow cards. We'll stick with just two, and he goes off as well. Um, control all over with the Crusaders. They dominate every passage of the game. Talfua benefits getting another try. And just to fill in the Crusaders, bingo card, an in-step try to Sevo Reese finished it off for them. Pulu got a little bit of payback for all the Brumbies, um, scoring off a, a line-out set play. And Kurandrani, sorry, scored it off uh, Pulu's break. And that was all that the Brumbies had to celebrate. The 36-14, second half uh, probably uh, flattered the Brumbies a bit on that scoreboard. Really, the Crusaders thrashed them. Really, I was going to say the Crusaders got a bit out of jail here because they should have been down really? quite a few points in that first half. Um, the Brumbies really should have scored. I mean, just seven points in that first half, which they dominated. Uh, the Brumbies really should have got away. With, really should have come away with more points in that first half. Um, and yeah, they, I think the, the the Crusaders got let off the hook a bit there. And yeah, and then they came back in the second half and uh, and won the game. But I yeah, the, the Brumbies should have given themselves more more of a more of a cushion. As you say, poor finishing in that first half. Uh, in particular, so um, yeah, I thought the, I thought the uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Crusaders deserved the win, obviously, but because they got the points. But the but I think that that was uh, as far as a um, uh, and, but they, they were helped by those yellow cards, weren't they? In that second half, let's be honest. I mean, there was enough yellow cards to serve up you know, a boat full of them, really, this weekend. But I mean, the, the Brummies just they they didn't really do themselves any favors. Uh, the difference in the halves, you notice. 
the Crusaders sort themselves out and they got chances, they scored points. And that is the big difference in this matchup. The Brummies just not good enough at finishing. Uh, and the, the amount of time it took them with, with a man down as well, just for half time, to get that try, they were just there for ages. And they just kept pounding away, pounding away. Yes, good on them for doing it, but geez, man up, you'd expect they should have done a bit better job of that. Um, the Crusaders, far too good. You saw complete difference in class between the two sides in that second half. Crusaders, Crusaders soldiering on um, to another big victory over their Australian rivals. And this is one of the reasons why we say that possession stats uh, as, a, as a sign are not necessarily a good sign as to who should win a game because it's, no. it's, all, it's, all, it's all going well having the, having the ball. But if you take 50 phases to score and the opposition scores after two, then you know what? It's what you do with the ball. It's not just having it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's what we saw here in this game. Yeah, the Brumbies didn't do what they needed to do with the ball in that first half. Uh, and, and, that, uh, and the Crusaders got let off from that. And you see quite a lot of teams these days, don't they? They play that kick the ball for territory and just play for a mistake. And um, yeah, that, that obviously balloons stats, doesn't it, to the team that's receiving all the kicks uh, back the other way. But um, there we go. Crusaders carrying on as they do. Good form from them and they look tough to stop. Now we've got a good time for our team talk number two. So set yourselves up for this one. So everyone who's in Hamilton, there is two places to watch rugby in Hamilton. FMG Stadium when the Chiefs are at home and the Zone Sports Bar when they're not. So come on down to the Zone Sports Bar on Friday night for the for the uh, Battle of the South. Um, Crusaders versus the Highlanders. I will be there in the Zone Sports Bar in Sky City, Hamilton, uh, giving you a pre-show analysis, half-time review and then full-time reaction. So uh, join me down there for that. It's free. Come on in, grab some food. There's even an indoor golf simulator thing if you fancy a round of golf before the game. <laughs> Everyone wants some indoor golf, don't they, with a beer. Yeah, that's a great way to start your weekend off. Good stuff. Get in there, smash some balls before the rugby starts. Let's move on. Um, the Blues versus the Waratahs. Here we go. This is your team, so I won't take up too much of your time. Um, the Blues, right, started off well, didn't they? Uh, Martin Nonu getting the first try away to Tom Robinson, and um, he's a find of the year this season. We'll get your thoughts on that afterwards. I think he's been amazing for the Blues. And straight out of the box, there was the Blues with the lead. They were controlled already. The forwards and Ma'anonu was having a playmaker's dream, setting up Caleb Clark for the second try of the uh, first half for the Blues. And then the game did take a big drastic change after that. The Waratahs woke up, and typically they went to the high crossfield kicks to Israel Folau, who definitely took that chance that he got. The Tars were meant to continue on for the remainder of the half, and finally they got a little bit of payback uh, as they, the pack charge over from the mall, Will Miller, the recipient of that one. The Blues penalty earlier in the half held the lead to 17 points to 14, and it can only be described as a half of two halves. Into the second half, it was some patient build-up for the Blues. They allowed TJ finally to dot down for what surprised me is his first try of the season. Goodness me, I thought he was a bit more prolific than that. Then the Waratahs repaid the effort. A long build-up themselves. Eight minutes it took them to get some defensive mismatches out wide. And Newsom was in to put the Tars within one point. But the set play let the Waratahs down soon after that from a line-out. Loose ball, snap it up by Ioani. And then he offloaded to what some are calling another one, turning back the clock in Ma'a Nonu with a, a sprint away. I guess you could call it that. Um, to put the lead back out to eight. Penalties between two sides. Split the lead between five and eight points into the final ten. And with five minutes to play, a five-metre scrum to the Waratahs. Put Jake Gordon in as he sliced through and set up the match for a barnstone end. Barnstone? Ban, ban. No, I'm going to leave that word right there. <laughs> barnstone. A great finish. Barnstone. Barnstone. Yeah, conversion goes wide. <laughs> anyway, and it was all at the end for the Blues, who hung on with some good defence. And no more Barnes. 
barn and no more storming either. Barn yeah, no, no storming, no barnstorming stuff. Um, so I didn't write that word down. <laughs> Oh, the listen. The Blues came out and absolutely bullied the Tars in that opening twenty minutes. I mean, the forwards are bashing through, um, d- doing very well. Uh, and um, but what we found was that penalties were marching down the pitch, uh, and they gave it like four penalties in the first uh, sixteen minutes, uh, whatever it was. And then the ref said, "Look, you need to roll away, boys. You're getting caught about rolling away every time." And the Tars listened, which was amazing. Um, and that then. And then we saw basically that source of territory just dried up for the Blues, and the Blues just in that for the rest of that first half just couldn't get out out of their own half um, because they just they weren't, they weren't getting the penalties to piggyback down the pitch, uh, which saw the Tars come back into it. So uh, yeah, some at least the Tars could adapt to the ref, which was good to see. Um, what we saw in that second half of the Blues is showing a hell of a lot of composure that we've never seen from them before. Well, I'll rephrase that. Okay, we have, but not but not in most people's living memory anymore. Um, the it's been it's been many years since we've seen this kind of that, that kind of something to, to close out the game with that the clinical pick and goes for um what was it three or four minutes to finish it out which was pretty which which is pretty impressive uh no knock-ons no uh, no giving the, the, the opposition opportunity to snaffle the ball um they didn't mind if they didn't get the line break if they went backwards um it wasn't about territory it was about time at that point um and they showed a lot of composure to see out that game I think I've invented a new word between oh, yeah. barnstorming and grandstand. It, it's like, poof, smash the two together, and we've just we've invented new words. Barnstanding. Barnstanding. I don't know where I was going with that. Is that Outstanding. what cows do? That's what it is. Anyway, Blues. <laughs> Great one for the Blues. So I'm going to leave you at that because, um, I mean, the only team that I like to see um, the Blues beat is the Waratahs or any other Australian side. So we'll move on. Good one for the Blues. So good composure, and uh, they did close it out quite nicely. Um, especially at the end when it got a bit tight. And how many times have you seen this season? Brandon Foley missing key conversions. Um, we'll wait to see a World Cup <laughs> when he does that. Scotland, <laughs> we'll have you guys ready and waiting to go. Moving on, Rebels versus the Sunwolves. And this promised to be a bit exciting, but it didn't really deliver, did it? The Rebels were far too good. Straight out of the blocks with the Rebels. Hodge scoring his opening try and got the Rebels off to a good start. But then the Sunwolves dominated a large period of the game and they didn't actually get any reward from it. The best they could take was just three points and then the Rebels took control straight back. English breaks well and supported by Hodge who gets his second try and then the third come off some poor communication at the back from the Sunwolves off a uh, Cooper kick. Billy Meeks benefits with a, a loose bobble. Terrible back work there by the Sunwolves and the third try is in. The Sunwolves line out was nothing better than dreadful. It was horrible and um, they really didn't get much momentum from penalties, from anything like that, from it. their set piece, really, did suffer. They did get a rare opportunity later on from a scrum, and it was that man who scored all the tries, Masurewa, in to grab his first. But Parker missed a kick. It was travesty for the Sunwolves, um, and it's not really much to rejoice about there at all. Um, Billy Meeks bust through four tackles, and he set up Clay Cooper to grab his first try, and it was really one-way traffic all the way. 28-8, the Rebels dominating that first half. Magic Masurewa was back in the action again as he opened up the second half. Amazing run to bring the Sunwolves into double figures. And then both sides called a run out of puff. And the game kind of teetered down to a bit of a stalemate before the hour mark. And then it was hat-trick try for Reese Hodge coming in from a charge down. A pretty average kick that was charged down by his shins of all places to get charged down from. We're getting put the icy on the cake straight off the line out. Sicing straight through the back of it. And it was a bit too easy. Then we get the exciting stuff. Yellow cards. 
See you, Tupo. See you, Nathan Vela. See you, Campbell, Mag Campbell Magne. They're all gone. The game just faded out to nothing, but the Rebels dominated 42 to 15. They looked way too good for the Sunwolves. Yeah, no, I mean, the Sunwolves are basically a team that are going to, that look, they're a decent team that are going to. If you if you're complacent against them, they'll cause an upset, and that's what we're seeing here. Is that they'll they'll cause the odd upset, and then once they've done it, everyone wakes up and beats them for a couple of weeks, and then they everyone, then everyone thinks, oh, they're easy beats again, uh, and then someone goes complacent and they beat them again, um, and that's what we've seen this season. I mean, look, we, they, they what two losses, um, and then they beat the Chiefs away, away. Um, another um, three losses, then they beat the Tars. Um, so basically, look, they're going to lose against the the Rebels. They've got the Hurricanes and the Highlanders. Um, and then they've got the Reds. So either that Highlanders or that Reds game, um, those are the two that look for that upset from a complacent team is what I say. Yeah, well, we'll book that one in for the Reds. would be quite good, <laughs> thanks. Um, it's concerning, though. Tony Brown, former Highlanders coach, of course, former Highlanders player, bit of, um, a bit of a, a, you know, a battle to go on there, a player who knows a bit about how the side operates. But, yeah, poor old Sunnels, uh, not their best performance there. But it's good to see that yellow card counter uh, got quite a bit of action with um, heaps of cards this round. Absolutely amazing. We'll move on to our final match of the round. This is a good one. I like it because I picked an upset. The Bulls versus the Haguaras. And penalties uh, were the order of the day for this new look Bulls side. Uh, Libok, this young under-20 Springbok player, uh, looked all right too, given a bit of credit for it. And he put the Bulls out to an early lead. Nine points to nil all from the penalties. It wasn't until after half an hour that the Haguaros really got something on the board. Matera with a great try. Uh, if you haven't seen it, take a look at it. He just absolutely demolished and then did what we've seen all weekend with back rowers scorching um, away from defences. Uh, 40 metres away, looked like he was a back uh, backline player and uh, broke tackles uh, like he was a forward. Amazing run for Matera. And he put the uh, Haguaros back into the game. Nine points to seven it was at the halftime break. Uh, newcomer Stickling. Plays the ultimate finisher. I like that name. These new guys have got great little names. Uh, he finished off a nice uh, break from Berger Oldendale, and um, that puts more points back to the Bulls. Their first try in the game. Then it was, of course, the obligatory yellow card for the Haguaras. Shaparo getting sent off. Um, and the sides after that deciding the penalties were the way to go. And that got the teams up to 20 points to 10. With just 10 points to play, and the Bulls looking pretty that they're going to close this one out, that 10-point lead. Um, the Bulls decided that hitting rucks with their head rather and shoulders were rather than their arms were a good idea, and they got another player sent to the bin, uh, Agaba, this time sending his 10 minutes off, and he saw the rest of the match on the sideline, and that changed the game. And another newcomer, goodness me, sparking it for the Haguaris. Replacement debut Miotti takes the first chance to get the Haguaris back in the game. Close to the line, just kind of charges over, dragging defenders with him. Five minutes to go, then the razzle-dazzle starts for the Haguaras. Miotti, quality finish in the open, offloading, support play, all those beautiful things about rugby. Put the Haguaras in front for the first time in the match with just minutes to go. The Bulls didn't have their chances of getting back in the game. Second player, uh, yellow-carded Van Vuren, the hooker, getting um, sent off for a pretty blatant uh, tackle in the air, and he was gone. The Haguaras held on, and a superb comeback. And the Bulls really only got themselves to blame for that second, well, not even second half, that final 10-minute capitulation. No, absolutely. And you say, especially with that, as you say, that the that, that final yellow card, taking the guy in the air from the kickoff, I mean, dumb as. You know you need to kick deep. 
You need to pin the Haguaros down there, get yourself a penalty, and knock over three. What do you do? You run in, just knock a player over. Reminds me of Ronan Ron Ogara at the end of a um, Lions test in South Africa, where all the Lions, all the Lions had to do was just kick the ball deep and just keep yeah. South Africa out. What does he do? Takes a guy out blatantly in the air um, and uh, gives up a long-range penalty, which at altitude um, went over. So this was. Um, Similar to that, but without obviously the points. But you've got to say the that um, yeah the Bulls really um, botched this. But that uh, yeah that young boy um, for the uh, Hagrides coming on is he he looks something special. Miotti, yeah, Miotti, definitely one, one for the future. Yeah, they, I mean they're, they're spinning them out this season, aren't they? They are yeah. really spinning them out. There's some some guys that are just stepping up, and and we we criticise them at the start of the season. We have these guys. That's you know, big question marks. They're, they're losing the Sanchez's. They're using these guys that are that are up at that level, international level. I mean, th- this is what is good about Super Rugby. This sort of placement when you can get guys, give them a chance. I mean, the South Africa themselves, Libok, this Libok guy, he looked pretty good as well. He, he didn't look out of place. Um, sure, he's not a Pollard, but goodness me, he definitely didn't do himself any shame. And I thought he had a good little match up for them. Uh, but yeah, more more good Argentinian players is what we need. And um, they play pretty well, but yeah, debut. We, we do because they're, they're starting to select their overseas players for the national team, which is going to, which is going to be a problem for them anyway. But um, but we had this one. This one, what two two yellow cards in the last ten minutes? Rebels against Sunwolves, three yellow cards in the last ten minutes. <laughs> I, this, there's a bit of a trend here, isn't it? That basically the referees look, they're tired, they're, they're hot, they're bothered, they've had enough. <laughs> Just stop messing around, boys, and finish off the bloody game. Um, off, <laughs> off, off. Yeah. Anyone who just causes trouble, get off. Go on, get out of here. Soon soon we'll just have five players left. We'll just be kicking it to each other in a game of drive-back. Uh, but it was good. Great for the counter because now we'll be surely, hopefully, ahead of last season as we can go for the victory uh, for 2019 um, and the yellow card total. But that is us for this week's Round 8 Clashes or the last weekend's Round 8 Clashes. Um, some good matches, interesting matches. And, of course, six out of seven picks for me. So tune into the preview if you want the best picks. Follow Flake. That's what you have to do. Get on to it. Get that hashtag. Um, hashtag so head over to uh, Cornflakes Crib um, to, to to get that preview. He'll obviously give you the card counts and so you know how many cards we had after eight rounds last year and how many cards we got after this year. So uh, that's always a, a good league table to keep an eye on. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Everyone who's been in the live chat, been great to have you there. Um, do click up there to subscribe to the channel down there is where you uh, can uh, access patreon.com to support become a supporter of the channel um, and as I say get access to exclusive content and over there the artificial intelligence at YouTube says there are two videos you'll enjoy so give them a click 